Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe. And man, this is, uh, we're well into the new year. 2021 is upon us. And uh, this specific episode, I've been so excited about for, before we even started the podcast and launched it, uh, we're going to get into, I'll introduce our guests in just a second, but we're going to get into one of my favorite topics of all time, which is the topic of leadership and specifically sports leadership. And so this is this will be the first episode where we delve into that topic. Again, the team behind the team, we're looking at the different buckets that form uh, leadership, or excuse me, uh, that form the team behind the team, behind the athletes on the field or court, uh, sports nutrition, strength and conditioning, uh, sports science, uh, athletic training, and then the, the mental behavior sports mental behavior, which is what MV is going to be, Dr. Voigt's going to be talking about here in a second. So I kind of leaked it there already, but without further ado, Dr. Mike Voigt, welcome to the show today. Donnie, it's great to be here. I, I know you and I have been talking about this for a while, and I'm glad it's uh, finally here, and I'm so happy to be uh, a team behind the team member. Yes, sir. Uh, you are a crucial and critical uh, member on the team behind the team, and uh, everybody listening, our listeners today, this is Dr. Mike Voigt. I've worked with him uh, at Texas, with Texas Volleyball since 2007, so 14 years, going on 14 years. So I have, definitely have a close uh, working relationship and friendship with him. So we all refer to you as MV. Is that is that okay today, Dr. It's, Voigt? We call you MV? It sure is. All right. Well, good stuff. Well, uh, MV, let me just give a quick, I want to read some of the bios so people understand who they're they're listening to and, and, and what you have to bring to the table because it's so important. So real quick, uh, who is Dr. Voigt? As a university professor, researcher, leadership educator, and advisor, he is author of seven books on mental toughness and leadership and a columnist for the United uh, Soccer Coaches Soccer Journal. Dr. Mike Voigt brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to his teaching, writing, and advising work. He has over 20 years of experience providing team mental toughness, and leadership consulting of all sports and, and, and levels, pro, Olympic, and top division one, especially from football, basketball, volleyball, soccer, swimming, diving, softball, golf, lacrosse, and others. His ever-expanding list of organizations, departments, and teams seeking his counsel include the University of Texas, thank you, Lord, right, USD, Wake Forest, Mississippi State, Georgia Tech, Harvard, and many others, the Los Angeles Kings National Hockey League, New England Revolution Academy, uh, MLS, New York Liberty Women's NBA, U.S. Olympic coaching staff, international coaching organizations, and one of my favorites, the New Zealand rugby team. So, MB, welcome to the show. So glad again to have you on. Um, how's everything uh, over in your, your area of the world? How is it today? It's actually quite pleasant. It's, uh, I don't think it's hit uh, 30 yet, but uh, but it is New England, and this is the, the time of year for no No snow in the forecast this week. Uh, you teaching classes yet? Are you back to teaching yet, or y'all still kind of pause? 
I'll be uh, I'll be back in a couple of weeks, which gives me time to to uh, to get with uh, with my clients, which I'm so excited about. Now that uh, I mean, COVID is is still still with us, and and I know we'll have to endure that for a while. But it's just so wonderful that that the coaches and and the athletes are able to compete. So I'm I'm just about kind of really getting into the the, the start of uh, the spring season. So so I've got a couple of weeks to prep for that, and then classes start, and and uh, we're on our way. Awesome. Well, good stuff. Well, we'll we'll jump right into the first question. And, uh, you know, our listeners um, maybe never met you. I know in our profession, um, you know, we probably get a lot of strength coaches and and sports scientists and performance coaches listen to this. This is probably the first time they're getting to to get introduced to you. Would you just take a moment, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your career path, how did you get started in leadership development and in, in, in athletes and teams, organizations that maybe led you up to where you are today? Could you just take a couple minutes and do that for us? I certainly can. Well, my uh, my sport journey uh, kind of started. Um, I was soccer player played in uh, played in college i was uh, so honored to be the captain of that team so that that's where my leadership started um even though i wasn't given any type of uh mentoring or any instruction i was just kind of hey you know the team and coach values you, uh, you as a player and we think that you can be a good leader and go lead so that's that's what really kind of started my leadership journey uh me just kind of doing as i felt was needed so i was kind of leading just um on on the go and then once i uh once i graduated from springfield college um coaching was definitely uh in my life's passion so even once i started coaching and i, I was at a smaller division one school and then i moved up into a top 10 program and but i, I was always not only providing not just the uh, soccer x and o's but i was also doing an awful lot of mental skills training with uh, with my guys but also helping instruct the captains just because i never got that so from the so anytime I could I would offer uh, just any any tips advice strategy and once I left coaching to uh, to pursue uh, my PhD at USC the the leadership continued and and I just continued to do more and more reading more and more research on this this incredible concept of leadership and once I finished there started teaching as a as a professor. Uh, now I kind of had the vehicle, the platform, and the voice to to do more writing, to do more speaking, and that's kind of what uh, what uh, what brought us here today. I was very fortunate to work with uh, our head women's volleyball coach at Texas. I was able to work with him when he was at USC. So so he kind of had a sense of the mental team and leadership work that um, that. I do, and uh, took him a, a few years to, to allow me into uh, to Texas. But once I was given the green light, I've been with them ever since. And being able to to work with uh, with you, Donnie, and the coaches. Uh, I mean, we really provide the uh, student athletes at uh, Texas, especially the volleyball student athletes, with with three great. We, we've got you and all all of your experience and, and all of your know-how and all the books that you've read. We've got Jarrett and his staff who've been there, done that. And then we have me coming in from the academic side. And I think when you combine all of that, all those team behind the team, and, and we get those captains and the up-and-coming cap- captains in one place and we're able to talk shop, amazing things happen. So, so that's what kind of, you know, started it and that's where we are now. And now you and I get to talk about it. No, I appreciate it. Uh, MV. I know just listening to you right there, that's a, an incredible journey of kind of how you got into it and, and how you're 
path has kind of morphed and changed. And again, really just something that's really resonated in your heart. Your passion has just come to life and you can definitely tell you're gifted in it. So, you know, you mentioned something there about, you know, when you got to Texas, but, um, you know, today there, there's such a, there's such parity in sports, right? In team sports and in sports in general, that you're really fighting and scrapping for that 1% difference. And I really, this is just my personal observation and conviction experience of just working with you over the years is that, man, oftentimes that 1% difference is leadership. And, and so you definitely spoke to that. So uh, saw that when you came in, because I'd never done anything that like that with you when you came in to, to Texas for the first time. And so I'm very fortunate to be able to work alongside and learn from you as well. So we appreciate you, Envy. You got it, man. Quick question. Um, I've always wanted to ask you this. What was it like working with, with Coach Carroll at USC, Pete Carroll? What was that like? Well, you know, it was uh, it was something that that just kind of started with uh, with us just um, just uh, meeting on the way to his noon noon basketball. He, he absolutely loved his noon basketball um, at, at USC. Uh, it was the upstairs in our old gym building, old PE building. The um, the faculty would uh, and coaches would play in one gym, and then I'd be teaching my basketball class um, as a as a grad student. So so our paths just kind of crossed and. Um, and once he knew that I was, I was of the uh, sports psych realm, and and he was always a, a Tim Galway inner game guy. So so he and I just just kind of just started talking talking shop, and whether that would be before practice or I'd I'd hang out until eight o'clock at night to, to to talk shop with him after practice. So it was just kind of more of a of a chance meeting. But once we realized that uh, that we're both uh, so appreciate the mental side of 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 the game, he. He and I did uh, did an article together, and there, and he would then have me work with a with a few of his guys. wasn't wasn't anything that was that was formal. It was more um, informal, but it was just amazing to to be able to hear him say what uh, what he believed in, and and the article we we wrote was all about his coaching philosophy. But then to actually see it, uh, it's and so, so many coaches they'll they'll have their coaching philosophies, and you hear it, but you don't see it. But with with Pete, I, I saw it day in day out he was the same guy and and he certainly practiced what he preached um so so he was very very impressive in that uh, in that way and and even with the seahawks um he, he still continues the importance of the mental side and as well as the leadership side as well but a lot of our conversations um really circled around the mental side of the game yeah no he's a i appreciate you sharing that. i know um that you worked with him for a good while there and it just He's just a guy that's always been very inspirational. It seems like he has just real positive energy and always, it just seems like he's got a growth mindset as a head coach, which I, I think is always good to see. Coaches are always trying to find ways to, to, to up their game. And so he's a guy that, that I knew you'd been around. He always seemed to do that. So that's pretty cool. Um, I had a, my next question for you. So in the, within the realm of sports, uh, MV, how would you define leadership? Well, I uh, for my because uh, I I do teach a leadership undergraduate and a graduate class at Central Connecticut State, and this is day one, lecture one, and I keep it as simple as possible. Leadership is influence, and it's just a matter of and um, the second part of that definition is that you are not a leader if you don't have anyone following you. 
So, so it's, it's about getting people and helping and working with people. Um, so they want to work with you. So they want to collaborate with you. Um, but then what is the influence you have on them? And there's certainly plenty of recent examples of bad and ineffective or maybe even dangerous leadership. So we certainly see the negative influence. Um, and especially these times, we want the good and the effective leadership. So just to kind of boil it down, leadership is influence and you're not a leader unless you have people working with you and following you. That's good. How would you say it differs from like a corporation or corporate leadership in military? Because you see today, a lot of corporations are are strategically targeting hiring uh, former collegiate athletes. You've seen articles on it. How does that differ from sport and how does that Working corporate or military, what's there any differences there? Well, I, I tell you what, and for for the uh, my last couple books on leadership, and the one book that I spent several years writing, which is the same book I use for my graduate class, um, I I scoured the business, I scoured the organizational leadership as well as the military leadership. So so those are kind of my go to sources. Um, to really find out what's what's new in leadership, what does the research reveal? So, so an awful lot of my knowledge and understanding comes from both of those areas. Um, but I also love the idea of applying those principles and practices to sport. Um, little little bit of a difference in the business where it's a billion dollar industry, um, but a lot of their focus is on leadership training, and they spend you know just days and weeks and months and billions of dollars training leaders where in the military they're they're in the their focus is on developing leaders and they have to develop leaders because you're talking about life and death situations in in the business world uh you're talking about kind of the bottom line uh either gaining or losing millions and millions of dollars but in sport it's about winning but hey at uh, especially at the elite level that uh, that you and i work at um I mean, even though a lot of coaches will will bring in the the military, the the, the battlefields, this is a win and loss. Um, it's uh, or, or a life and death situation in sport. Yes, it's. I mean, it is sport. It it should be fun, um, but we can still, in a very short term, a small little time window, we can still not only educate our student athletes about leadership, but in the limited time we have, I'm very confident that we can help develop them, not so much for that season. Yes, we can, we can certainly empower them and we can have them be that good, positive influence on their team in order to accomplish our mission, to help their teammates. Um, but we're kind of developing them to really use the leadership and develop into a leader that they can bring with them into their next step, whether it's graduate school, professional school, or starting to, to work in the in the real world. So, so that's kind of the difference that I see um, in terms of we have such a limited time that we can educate them, we can make them more aware of, of leadership, but I think the majority of, of what they learn, we're hoping they take with them, just because we don't have near as much time as the military, and we certainly don't have near as much time as the business world does in training and developing leaders. No, I love that. I think uh, like you just, you nailed it. I mean, especially with college athletes, uh, you definitely have a very, uh, very short window and and thin margin to, to develop leadership. And so you've definitely got to be, like you said, intentional uh, to, to do that with that short amount of time. Not only do you have 
a small amount of time each week, but then over their, you know, if they stay three or four years with basketball, it's shorter, obviously, with your really good players. And then with football, you're looking at probably, you know, three years and guys are trying to go pro so early now. Uh, with the Olympic sports, you have a good, hopefully, four years if everything goes well. But yeah, short window for sure. Um, what would you say are some key traits or attributes you've seen in athletes over the year that display great leadership? So think about what would be your, do you have a, a number one trait that you would look for in, in an athlete to be a great leader, to be a leader on that team? And then is there one specific example with, with all the people you work with, a, a, an athlete or person that stands out? So kind of a twofold question. For for sure. Well, they've uh, the research, the leadership research. They've they've tried to boil it all down to, to these particular attributes, and the hundreds of leadership books that are that are published each and every year usually kind of try and focus in on the five five leadership practices and the ten leadership, um, you know, just uh, ideals. To me personally, I think the uh, the kind of the number one um, ingredient. That especially for a sport athlete to be a good leader is to be a go-to. Are are you a go-to player in your position? So if so if if you are that point guard, can we count on you to keep spraying that ball? If if um if you're if you're the setter, do you do you calm your hitters? How much communication do you have with with your teammates when you're struggling? Um, are you the go-to? Are you the the go-to player that um, that the younger players will go to to ask questions? So so that's so that word kind of encompasses an awful lot. But I started. Are you a go-to player in your position? Because and, and I've I've told all the sport leaders that I've worked with, you're going to have the biggest influence on this team by what you do on the court, on the field, in the pool. So if we can count on you to make plays, we we will follow you. Now, if we're able to take the next level, and if we can have you be kind of a go-to, someone who helps us stay focused on our mission, if you can help help uh, teammates out, if you can keep our team together. Um, so that's kind of the the next couple of layers. But at the core, it's to be a go-to. And then if I had, uh, if you forced me to come up with a second um, quality or trait, it would be confident. Someone who, who is confident in their own skin, someone who, when they speak, they're, they're not meek, they're not quiet. Um, they don't have to be aggressive and loud, but, but when they stand behind something, they're confident and you can trust that what they say they're going to do. So I think, uh, then, then being a go-to player, and then if we can ask them as we add more layers, have them be a, a go-to teammate and, a, and a, a go-to team builder, but also someone who's assertive, someone who's confident, someone who's not afraid to speak up. Because uh, even though, and I've heard it for years and years and years, uh, a lot of captains will say, well, I'm a, I'm a lead by example person. Well, that's great, but that's only part of it. We need to hear you. We, uh, you know, we can't just see you, which I refer to as visual leadership, but we need to hear you. So that's where the confidence confidence and the assertiveness comes in. And then just to, just to, um, for your second part, what, what are some kind of samples, uh, just staying within the, the volleyball mix, um, um, Ashley England, Molly McCage, uh, Logan Eggleston, who's our current current captain. There was just some ideal captains who were go-tos who showed that confidence, assertiveness. We were, um, through, through your work, we were able to, to get uh, former Longhorn 
Colt McCoy to visit in with with our current team captains uh, this past spring, and it was great to to hear from him and and tracking his career. and And if it wasn't for him going down, the Longhorns certainly would have beaten Bama that uh, that year. Um, so th- those are just some some Longhorn examples of those go to confident, assertive type leaders that that really help drive their team and really are good examples of that good and effective leadership. That's good stuff. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, MV. Um, to build on that, those answers, for our listeners, what would be just some simple practical ways, you know, maybe they can't hire a consultant or bring in somebody, how would they uh, some practical ways they can begin to develop leaders with their athletes or teams. If maybe they've never done this, what would you say? Where would you start? Well, shameless, shameless plug as this as this is going to be. Um, one of my recent books is called the, the Leadership Fix Game Plan, um, and it, it's out on Coach's Choice. But so shameless plug, yes. But in terms of kind of the um, practical ways, and it kind of starts with you as the coach equipping yourself. What do you know about leadership? What lessons have you learned from your leadership experiences? And and, and I also want coaches to to kind of really dig deep a little bit and say, why do you want to improve upon the leadership of, of your team? What is what is your end game? Do, do you want them to work in collaboration with you? Do you want them to help develop the missions? So I, I kind of want coaches to be um, upfront, conscious about what do we want out of the time that we're going to take, especially knowing that we have a small window and especially in the college setting, there's so many different things that the coaches can be doing, not just X and O's. They got to do technical training. Um, they've got film breakdown. They have the valuable work that, that they do with the strength coaches. So if we're going to carve time into our week, what do we want to get out of it? So, so equipping themselves with knowing more about, not only know more about leadership, but also why do I want to focus in? And then the second part of, of kind of the model that I spell out in the Leadership Fix Game Plan book is to how can we equip the captains? Let's ask some questions of them. What have they learned from from their favorite coaches or their favorite um, you know uh, mentors that they've had? Um, and and let's teach them a little bit more about leadership and let's ask them more questions about what their end game is. Why do you want to be a captain and what strengths do you have that you can be that good and, and effective influence? And then the uh, and then the next few few steps, we're, we're going to, uh, especially if you have in, in football, I, I know they have an awful lot of leadership groups. So let's get that group together every week, every other week. And let's let, let's let's talk about leadership. Let's let's bring bring out some. Some of the examples of some of the negative feedback, I mean, the negative leadership that may be out there. Let's bring some some current events about some positive ones. And let's let's talk about that, especially with the the national title game being last night. There's an awful lot that you can kind of learn from the good and and the bad. And then and then as coaches, the next step is to coach them up give them opportunities to lead. And then the term that I usually use is to catch them doing leadership right, which I would refer to as a hit. Um, And then if they missed a chance to really step in and be that good and effective leader, that's called a miss. So let's, let's coach them up, give them opportunities to lead and then capture those hits and misses. So they're learning as they go. 
Just reading a book, there's, you'll, you'll never lose any weight just by simply reading a book on weight loss. You can read it, you can get the know-how, but you have to do it. So I think with leadership, we, we get them talking, we get them learning more about leadership, then let's get them out there. Let, let's get them doing it. And in time, you will eventually transform them into just a, a player, into a player leader, into a true team leader. I love that answer, uh, MB, because I hear you saying that there's really a process to developing a leader. There's that's not an overall quick fix. And I think you know the one of my favorite John Maxwell quotes is that leadership develops daily, not in a day. And I think that's kind of what I hear you saying is that you really got to give it time, but you've also got to give it space. And kind of like you, you, like you're saying, I got a picture of like a laboratory, right? If you you, if you have a laboratory where you're experimenting and trying things, there's going to be accidents. There's going to be things that maybe blow up sometimes, but they're not. it's not bad. You're just trying to figure out what works so that you can bring it out in the real world and then use it when it really counts. And so I kind of hear two things there. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Good stuff. Um, so kind of bridging off that question, what in your expertise and opinion, you know, why, why do sport coaches not do a better job at developing leadership? Because, I mean, one thing I always, from, from day one of me being in, in coaching in sport, is that we always, every year after every season, we need better leadership. You, it's a pretty consistent theme you hear out of coaches' mouth. So, but what would, from your experience, why do you think they don't do a better job or, or what could they do to do a better job? Excellent question, Donnie. Uh, coaches have so much to do. You're, you're a coach now. Um, for six years, I was a collegiate coach. So much time is spent doing the necessary things, recruiting, training, conditioning, preparing for, for matches, breaking, breaking film, film down, to just the hundreds of other things in terms of rules compliance. So in terms of there's so much work that needs to get done, and, and the average sport fan, unless they know a coach, do not know that it's it's incredible the amount of tasks and duties that that uh, the coaches have even even at the high school and and club level uh, especially if these people have have other other jobs um, but but for the collegiate coach and the pro coach there's never enough time to get all the the necessary stuff done and then now you add this leadership piece it 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 is a specialized knowledge and 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 as 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 you mentioned in in uh, one of our earlier drafts of one of our books that uh, that we'll talk about eventually i mean you 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 mentioned just how much how much time it um, how much time it takes and it really need, needs to be prioritized leadership is a science but it's also an art and it and it just takes not only the specialized knowledge but uh, but the know-how how can i bring this into my team but uh, like you mentioned with uh, John C. Maxwell, it is a process. It takes many, many days, and it's not, it's not a canned program that, that you can just open up and the players read, they follow the steps, and then now they become a leader. If only it was that, that easy. So, so for coaches, it, it really takes them to prioritize this. They need to do – I mean, no one's going to do as much reading as you do, Donnie. You, you are definitely the, the most read coach that I know. Um, but the reading certainly helps uh, just because you need to develop that knowledge base. And just by just by grabbing different uh, sport coaches' books isn't really going to do it. Um, but so 
I think it's just a lack of time. I think uh, a lot of coaches kind of assume that they're already a leader uh, because of their position. So they already know it. And that's not not, that's not really the case because that's certainly a misconception among a lot of leaders today, not just in sport, but in, um, but in corporate and the political realm. They, they just believe that they're leaders because of their position. And that's so not true. That's, that, that's such a common misconception. So really, it's just a matter of, of prioritizing, planning out some time where you improve upon your knowledge base. And then it's also, how am I going to put this into our weekly practice schedules and and, and address it, whether it's with our co-captains, whether it's in football with our leadership groups, we have to prioritize it. So I think it's definitely a, a kind of a combo of those two points, Donnie. That's a great answer too. I, 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 love, um, I love that because, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, there's those seasons, those those years where, man, the team just has an incredible year because oftentimes they're just athletes are just naturally gifted. Uh, they're born kind of, so to speak, to lead. They're just a naturally gifted uh, leader. They're, they were kind of built that way from birth. But I also believe, you know, I've seen years where, especially working with UMB, where there's maybe somebody who maybe they're not a big vocal person but they're kind of the, what would you call it? The reluctant leader. They're still very gifted, but they, maybe they don't, they lack some of the, the, the vocal skills or the communication styles that are required to lead. And man, when you see those unreluctant leaders and you, you get them positioned to lead, man, they do a great job. And I think it takes, like you said, some, some intentionality and purpose and planning that really is not as hard as you think once you kind of go through it for, for a couple of seasons. But I think there's sometimes coaches, they just, they don't see the leadership qualities and they just let them kind of drift along and they don't become the leader they could be to influence a team to be more successful in the years ahead. So I think that's something sometimes it, you know, they leave it on the table, so to speak. Well, well, sure, Donnie. And, and you certainly bring up some, some excellent points. Uh, I think as, as long as you're prioritizing it, as long as your team knows that that hey, coach really values this this leadership piece, and 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 not only do we hear it, but we see it. Where where I mean, some some coaches don't even want to have set captains, but they but but they want at least uh, the seniors to take over. So the seniors will will be the first ones that speak in a meeting, or or the seniors will will take care of the warm up, or or. or you know, during halftime, before the coach comes in, the captains will will bring the team together. So it's not just kind of saying it, um, but it's but it's letting the captains let let them visually display that hey, we, we are stepping up and and give us give us the opportunity to try and lead because kind of going back to one of the ingredients I mentioned earlier is the confidence. And the more you give them the opportunity, the more confident they're going to get, especially for those as, as as you mentioned, those reluctant leaders who've, who've never been asked to be the first to speak in a meeting. Um, so give them that opportunity. Now, what, what I would do with those reluctant leaders um, before the meeting, have the meeting before the meeting and let this captain know, hey, just so you know, when we talk about you know how lackadaisical practice has been this week, I'm, I'm going to go to you. So make sure you have something to say. So th- those there are lots of little tips that you can do, but but letting that captain know that hey, the first 
person who's going to speak is going to be you. And, and, and if you can mention this point or that point, that will help. So then, so that way they're given some time to, to organize their thoughts and then they'll probably execute quite well because they were given that heads up. And sometimes that's, that's all it takes. So th- there's a lot of little things that, uh, that can be done, um, to not just prioritize leader leadership, but to show the priority. That's very powerful. Good, good, uh, good little tips right there, MB. That's that's really uh, very practical and some good handles to take uh, for for a lot of the listeners. Um, kind of a shift of topics here, just a little bit. One of one of the current uh, buzzwords that you hear so much on social media and in articles today is the word culture. So, how would you define team culture, and from your experience, how important is it? Well, uh, culture is is brought up in in the majority of of coach interviews uh, in the in the business world. It's it's all about culture, and and the business world is where I kind of use and how I define culture. Um, this comes from the Harvard Business Review. Um, culture is basically the norms, um, just what's encouraged or what's discouraged, what's accepted or rejected among among this group. Um, so, so the culture is, is something that, uh, I mean, the, the head coach is certainly a key agent in developing that culture, but the group kind of has its own norms as well. So I think it just points to the benefit of having effective team leaders because you want to make sure that the culture that the coach wants to establish, the, the behavioral norms that the coach wants done, you, you want to make sure that those mirror or match the team culture. So it, the more that you kind of come collaborate with the captains that way you're more aware of what is the team culture because a lot of coaches just assume that whatever culture they want is actually done but that's not always that's not always the case so it's just a, a huge benefit um, and something that uh, that the coach listeners uh, out there just and if you need any more examples of why leadership is important, this is probably one of the biggest ones to make sure that the culture that you want, you actually get and is reinforced by the team, team leaders. So again, kind of j- just to define it, it is kind of the behavioral norms of the team, what's encouraged, discouraged, what's accepted or rejected within the group. What have you observed over the years in terms of like a toxic or unhealthy team culture and what have you seen with strong or successful team culture? Kind of compare those two, a toxic or, or an unhealthy team culture. And then what have you seen with strong, successful team cultures? What kind of comp- compare those two? Excellent question, Donnie. Uh, in, my, in my 20 years working with collegiate teams from all sports, I've, I've seen them. Well, maybe I haven't seen them all, but I've certainly had so many examples of, of the negative toxic to the very positive uplifting, empowering, and everything else in, in between. Just as a, as a quick example of, of kind of a, a, the toxic ones, even, even just, I was, I was working with, um, and this certainly was in Texas, and this was another top, top collegiate volleyball team who had, had the star power, uh, should have done a whole lot better in one of the top conferences, but they, but they were always, whenever it came crunch time, they uh, they couldn't execute. They couldn't finish, and it uh, and it co- and it cost them a season. Here they were they're ranked in the top ten, and they bowed out early in the NCAA tournament. And and when we were able to to peel the layers, it was it was just just and again it wasn't a toxic culture, but it was a to- it was a culture 
because the because uh, the captain was the so-called favorite of uh, of the coaches, and the rest of the team couldn't get past that. So it was just this just the little drama that that held held it back. But in terms of them not having as productive a season that was toxic to them. So toxic doesn't necessarily ha- have to be that everyone hates each other and they're battling in the in the locker room. It just could be these little grudges or the little drama that that tends tends to hold people back. Um, when whenever I'm, I'm asked about culture, I, I I usually refer. I mean Jared Elliott and his staff at uh, with the Texas volleyball. Uh, Amazing culture. Coaches and, and team works collaboratively. They work collaboratively on their team standards, on the team motto, um, e- even the team identity, what they want others to view them. All of that is done in collaboration. So, so that way the coaches and the players know what each other wants, what uh, what they want the culture to um to look like, but that takes time and it takes a lot of communication. And, and I think that's the one area that I can kind of come in as the outside consultant and I can help, help make sure that, um, that this process is done in a, as time efficient, but also seamless as well. Um, but there, there are so many examples out there, but I kind of choose just the little drama and how that can certainly infect the uh, the team culture, which can hold them back, but also stress the importance of the collaborative culture where we're in this together and we will find solutions together and we will succeed together. Oh, good stuff. I, I thought about um, when you're talking about the little dramas, because I think, you know, <clears throat> you're going to have drama in, in sports. I mean, with your teams, because everybody's so different. They're from different backgrounds, different Families raise them differently, different beliefs, ideas. You know, some are strong-minded, some aren't so strong-minded. And so I thought about, you know, I think what I what I hear you saying too, and what I've seen personally is those drama. If there's drama all the time, then I call it sideways energy. We're always going side to side, but we're never, like you just said, we're never pushing towards our mission and our goal of what we're trying to accomplish for the season. And that, and I think that comes down to again that culture being, you know, not it always just seems to kind of you, you take two steps forward, you take three steps back, kind of keep getting derailed. So I hear hear what you're saying there. That's a it's a great point. Um, kind of building off off culture. Think about um, think about you know you see this all the time, MV, in sports, and you see it in business with teams that'll have like a really just a bad losing season. And all of a sudden, that team, you know, they were two to three wins, whether it's football or tennis or basketball. And then next season, man, they flip it around. They go from the bottom, the, the, the basement, you know, to the top. They're, they're, they're up in the top bracket. They're playing for the championship. In your experience, in your knowledge and expertise, how does that happen and be like, what are some things that go into that, into that turnaround season? Well, the, uh, the first thing that, that I would say about any, any uh, kind of the chemistry behind a team turnaround is belief and buy-in. There, you, you need the two and they, and they are separate. Um, belief is just that, that, uh, that deep down confidence that, that we're not done. And the buy-in is actually the practices, the, uh, the verb, the, how are we going to show this 
belief. Um, so I think for, for any turnaround, there needs to be that belief. There needs to be that buy-in. Where does that come from? It certainly comes, comes from the coaches who are, who are not only saying it, but you see them between plays. You, you see them, um, uh, during practices where, where you see the, belief and buy-in where it's, it's not just talk, um, where, where they're, they're always working. They're always, they're always striving to, to do the little things. They're, they're smiling, they're encouraging because a, a lot of coaches will, will say, Hey, don't, don't, I mean, even though we're, we're falling on hard times, I believe in you, we've got this. So they say it, but, but do you really see it? So, so I think if, for the turnaround to happen, uh, the coaches not only need to say the right things, but they they need to do the right things. There, there cannot be mixed mixed communication there, and I think that's where some coaches fall off, where they kind of know, huh? Chances are we, we are probably done here. But just in in every sport that's that's played, depending upon whatever your favorite sport is, and especially for the listeners listening here, I'm sure you can think of these amazing turnaround stories, um, and if. Um, and especially if they were involving your own team, I, I'm assuming you will probably see that at some point there was a change. At some point there was belief happening. There was that there was that um, that buy-in. And once the wind started rolling, it became infectious, and you just couldn't stop it. Um, so, so to me, that's that's why I love what I do um, because I, I absolutely love getting diverse collection of people together um, with with all their all their baggage all their different personality sets how do we how do we get them focused in on one one mission and and you know especially in times of adversity how do you battle that just as a as a recent example I was I was so excited to be invited in uh, by Bruce Burke and uh, Brandon Wagner with the Texas men's tennis team here they're coming off a national title. And unfortunately, COVID came in and and uh, and took away their their um, their season last year, where they were going to repeat as national champion. And what a what a great challenge that is for that staff and that team, because here they're at the top. How do we sustain that? Um, but uh, but Bruce and Brandon said, "Hey, you know, um, let's let's do what we do, but let's do it even even better." Um, so, so there's certainly an awful lot of processes involved with getting the turnaround, but once you achieve that highest level, how do you stay there? So, so I was, I was very, very excited to be, uh, invited in and, and helping them sustain that level of confidence. And I, I was also happy to know that, that you are their strength coach. So you and I get to get to do what we do again. So it's not just kind of the turnaround, but it's also the, the sustaining, how do we sustain excellence? That is just a fun, fun challenge. And that takes everyone. That takes the coaches. It takes the team leaders and, and obviously the, the team to have belief and to buy in. No, I, I think, uh, man, that got me excited hearing you say belief. I, so many memories come to mind of, you know, working with teams. You know, it's, it's, it's fun working with teams that win. But, you know, I've definitely had my fair share of working with teams that have had losing seasons. And, man, one of the most infuriating and, and just frustrating things when you're working with a team or an athlete specifically that they just won't get the belief and the conviction that what they're doing is going to make a difference. And, you know, I think sometimes they, you know, like they say winning is a habit, but you know what? So is losing. That's right. So I think, like you said, 
you know, if you if these athletes don't have buy-in first and belief, then nothing will change. And so there's a process to getting back to being a winning team or winning athlete or winning season. And there's a lot sometimes it takes longer than others. And I mean, last night on the net, I love listening to the the post-game interviews. Last night was the collegiate football national championship. And first thing out of Coach Saban's mouth was he loves working on this team because they are bought in. Just what you just said, he's nailed it. And you could see a genuine, authentic smile on his face. That, man, when your athletes are bought in and they believe in each other and they bought into the, the culture and the system, then the work is done and then the winning becomes a byproduct of all those different processes. So, man, I love it, MV. I love it. Awesome. Uh, we're kind of getting near here to the end. So just a couple more questions for you, MV. Uh, what do you see coming in the future for leadership development in sports? Well, you know, I was uh, I, I was so so excited uh, once uh, Sam Walker's book, The Captain Class, came out, and uh, and and in that book, for those who haven't had the pleasure of reading it, um, I mean, Sam kind of uh, threw who knows how many uh, how many volumes of uh, research and stats that that he, he had to go through, but uh, Sam Walker basically kind of looked at at the best teams like in history in sport. Um, and he had very, very high criteria for those, for those who were rated kind of the, uh, the best teams ever. Um, what was it that led them to that sustainable success? And, and after looking at, at star power, uh, best coaches, it dwindled down to team leadership. So I, I love that book, but as I was finishing the book, um, Sam, Sam mentioned that at least at the highest levels of the game, which is, which is obviously the pros and the Olympic level, a lot of coaches are kind of just, uh, just kind of having their their best players uh, wear, wear the C, uh, which which is what hockey players do. Football players have have the C on their on their jersey. Um, so Sam Sam thinks that some coaches are kind of going away from what has worked for years is is empowering those those team leaders who who just get it done. They they know themselves as leaders. They they work hard to get to know their their teammates. So I I am even though Sam kind of put in a little cautionary that that at the pro level um, they they may be going away from having the right leaders lead and they're kind of just using it as, as maybe a carrot to, to, to bring in the, the top draft choices or to, to offer that carrot to the best player on the team. So, so despite some of his concerns, I, I believe that more and more people at the higher levels of sport value leadership and, and especially at, at our high level of college, I hope, and I'm encouraged that more and more coaches will will hear podcasts such as this or or, or read books um, about the importance of of the process of leadership not just to get wins but because it's the right thing to do and and today's generation need as as many mentors as they can to show how leadership should be so so I'm I'm very encouraged by it and and I do hope that more coaches not only will consider training their players to become better leaders, but I'm hopeful that they'll be a little bit more introspective and say, am I the leader that I need to be for, for my, um, team and players? There's an awful lot of work being done in the business side in terms of bringing in leadership coaches for their CEOs and their upper management 
positions. I would love to see the same thing happen in sport um, in, in terms of ADs, assistant ADs, head coaches, top assistant coaches, being able to, to talk to someone who does leadership on a day-in, day-out basis. So I, I'm hoping that there's going to be a trickle-down from the top corporations to sport. And, and, and let's, let's, let's give these coaches someone to talk to, a resource, someone who they can bounce some things off of. And this is what we do day in, day out is, is leadership. So not only am I encouraged about coaches doing more with their team leadership, but I'm hopeful that they'll do more with their own leadership knowledge and, uh, and practice by bringing in leadership coaches. Good stuff, MV. That's, that's true. It's definitely you've got to start at the top. Yes, it does. Um, before it trickles down. If it's not there, then it doesn't go through the, the organization or the team. Uh, uh, last couple questions. Any? What would be some great resources? Any books, programs, podcasts? you got a go-to leadership book. Uh, definitely, I would love for to, the, our listeners, maybe first, you know, some of your top books that you've written. I uh, would love for them to, to, to check those out and, and get those in their hands. And it's helped us so much. So maybe talk about some of that real quick. Well, uh, shame, shameless plug as it, uh, as it is, I, I did mention the, the leadership fix game plan for sport. Uh, that's definitely more, more of the applied book just came out last year. Um, for those who want to, deep dive into uh, into leadership very long book um, that was the book that I spent three three years writing that's the sport uh, sport leadership game plan the book I used for my graduate class uh, which which really goes deep in, into leadership practice research and theory but then I, I really want want to mention the two book projects that you and I are currently working on one is the words wisdom and wins spiritual toughness and leadership and the one that's probably going to come out before that one will be the Captain Challenge. And I'm um, and, and I know you and I are very excited about that one because we kind of will address five principles: um, leader of one, know-how and skills, mission focus, teammate focus, team focus. So we kind of hit those five principles, and and we actually um, for those coaches out there, for those captains out there who really want a set process, what can I do today? To be a better leader of one, so so I'm I'm very excited about uh, about our collaboration in terms of bringing those books out to the uh, general population because I I think and I know it's needed, um, especially with me being as hopeful as I am that leadership will be given its due will be prioritized. These coaches need resources that are ready applying you can just simply take it read it apply it so that's uh, so th- those are the current projects that you and I are working on that I'm just so excited to get out yeah that's huge because like you said time constraints are oh for sure so tight and you've got you know all the wealth and years of experience and knowledge and research you've done and you've dumbed it down into one you know a package or a plan that will be so uh, so just easily digestible and and, and Implemental, you know, to be able to implement into a team and with athletes is huge. So I love that one of my favorite leadership quotes again, you know, anyone can steer the ship, but it takes a leader to chart the course. And again, what I hear you saying, you're going to have a plan and a chart, a roadmap for these leaders that, that definitely have that willingness and that buy in to, to move forward. So that's good stuff. And be, um, where can people find you if they want to connect or reach out to you and just have more questions for you? What would be the, the best way to find you? 
Uh, well, best uh, best way, uh, my my website, drvleads.com would be uh, the easiest way. And I've, I've got plenty of resources on that on that uh, website um, and, and also will connect you to my email there. Or you can simply uh, contact this wonderful host uh, for the team behind the team podcast. And he'll be more than happy to to share my contact info as well. I, I always love the idea of coaching. Coaches reaching out. Um, the, uh, the the years that I've spent uh, contributing articles to the Soccer Journal, um, and I've also contributed articles to other coaching associations. I absolutely love hearing from coaches from all over the world, just wanting to know how can I do what I do better. So so I, I will look forward to, to hearing from any and all of, of you listeners out there. I think it's wonderful that that you have taken the time out of your very busy life to uh, to listen in to, to Donnie's Team Behind the Team podcast and show that growth mindset that you're wanting to learn more about leadership. So so that certainly shows, um, shows a, a great quality that you have, that you're wanting to take time, prioritize leadership. And I certainly hope that you picked up a couple things from this talk. Um, any questions that uh, that you have, I'll be more than happy to, uh, to answer. So please go to the website or reach out to, uh, to Donnie, and I'll be more than happy to, uh, to respond. Well, MV, that is, that's awesome. We, I just can't thank you enough and, and appreciate you enough for making time to be on the show today. I know that you downloaded a wealth of knowledge uh, in our short time together, so we greatly appreciate your time and your expertise today. Um, I just want one kind of thing here at the end uh, before we get off. If you have not you know, ever really researched uh, leadership and you're listening to this, I highly recommend you reach out to, to Dr. Mike Voigt. Uh, in my personal and professional opinion, he's one of the most authentic, uh, genuine not only uh, people I know, because I've, I've hung out with his family and, and, and just watched them up close. So he lives and breathes what he teaches. So there's a there's a connection, integrity there. But then he's also, I feel like he's the best at what he does. He's at an elite level in sports uh, leadership and, and, and getting team cultures dialed in. So reach out to Dr. Voigt, MV, as we call him. MV, it's been real. We really appreciate you. MV, thank you so much. Donnie, thank you. And listeners, I wish you all the best. Hook them. Hey, that's it from here in Austin, Texas. The Team Behind the Team podcast. I hope you guys are doing great out there. Stay safe, stay strong, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.